You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to the best Packer radio show on the internet. Cheesehead Radio. I want to be a lifetime Cheesehead. Green Bay Packer. You're looking good today. So let's go out there with that ass. Aaron Rodgers is the best football player I've ever seen, ever. Aaron Rodgers, the well, that defense is going to get a lot of team struggles. We got a defense. Once again, we got a defense. Cheesehead Radio. Hello again, Cheesehead Nation. We are back. With another episode of Cheesehead Radio, now in our 10th season, as hard as that is to believe. Your trio of hosts tonight are the dismayed Kelly Hodgson, known as That Packer Girl on Twitter. Also joining us is the disenchanted C.D. Angeli, known as Tundra Vision on Twitter. And little old me, Jersey Al of Packers Talk and Cheesehead TV. You can find me at Jersey Al GBP on Twitter. Sponsoring the Packers Talk Network, as always, is our good friends at Ticket King, who have been selling Packers, Badgers, Brewers, Concert, you name it, tickets in Wisconsin for over 25 years. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They have an office right across from Lambeau Field. You can order online and pick up your tickets there. Be sure to check out their website when you're looking for tickets, especially potentially playoff tickets. Their website is theticketking.com. Okay, that takes care of the formalities, and we've paid the bills, so let's get this show on the road. Who moved my cheese? All right, Cheesehead Nation, the Green Bay Packers are in the playoffs. First time since the 2016 season, and it feels great, especially with the win over the Chicago Bears. So who were your big cheese winners in week 14? We're going to start with our sharp cheddar. Who was your superstar in the game against the Bears? I'm going to cheat and steal something from a friend and say, Kenny Clark, do, 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 Kenny Clark, do, do, do. No, don't do, do, do that. Do. Don't do that. (laughs) I did it. Uh, For most of the game, the Smith brothers were oddly absent. But Kenny Clark rose to the occasion and became the defensive threat that we needed. So, Kenny Clark, do, 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 do. Well, I'm going to go with the entire offensive line, and particularly Bakhtiari and Balaga. Now, Khalil Mack's name was hardly ever used on Sunday. And the Killer Bees made sure that with a stout pass protection. Mack was signed and paid a lot of money to be a game changer, and he was not. All right, and I'm going to go with the one guy, the one guy, everybody, that helped the Packers the most on Sunday, the one and only Ha-Ha Clinton Dix, whose performance was indeed laughable. I feel like Sunday was very therapeutic for you, Al. You know, I I exercised a lot of demons that day. It it seemed painful at times, but... You felt like Nelson from The Simpsons. Every time Ha Ha messed up, I could pretty much hear you going, Ha Ha! Pointing and laughing. Now we're going to move on to our Swiss cheese. Who was your surprise player that made a big contribution on Sunday? 
I'm going to go with all 108 years of old man Tremont Williams. Took a hit that I could feel all the way in my living room when Swerve and Irvin went out on a, um, with an injury. Um, and then his there was his takeaway on that fumble recovery as time ran out. It was the final nail in Chicago's coffin. Well, I'm going to give it to Touchdown Jesus. We have been grumbling all year about the lack of effort, jogging routes, mental mistakes by our top receivers, including even Adams at times. But Jake Kumaro showed more heart and broke more tackles on one catch and run than the rest of our receivers combined on Sunday. For me, it's got to be Chandon Sullivan. The young man was all over the field. Wherever the ball was, you saw number 39 on defense. He is coming on strong. And finally, our Limburger Cheese. Who stunk up the field against Chicago? Uh, This is a weak choice for me, um, and you're probably going to be surprised by it, but I'm actually going to go with the Smith brothers. Yeah, they had a couple plays, but for the most part, they were absent because I think Chicago really game-planned against them. Well, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit, and I'm going to bang on Marquez Valdez Scantling. The alligator arming on the first play from scrimmage, which would have been a sure touchdown, negated everything. Everything. LeFleur and his coaching staff clearly did their homework. They were looking at tape, and they said, here is something we're going to exploit. We're going to send MVS down the field, score a touchdown on the first play, and then, whiff, the MVS experiment is done. Oh, that's kind of harsh. (laughs) <laughs> but it's true. Oh, God. I don't believe that, but we can talk about that later. All right. For me, the Limburger cheese was MVS's cohort, Geronimo. He has just been unable to shake his issues with dropping passes at the very worst times. And in other words, the sun is hot and water is wet. But hey, there is more Packer talk coming up, so stay tuned. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? Yeah. If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Oh, yeah. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay. Oh, yeah. Just go to their website. Do it. TheTicketKing.com. Again, that's TheTicketKing.com. The Playbooks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It is time for the playbook, the Green Bay Packers, with an impressive win, maybe a close win over the Chicago Bears, have locked up a playoff berth. Now, as we look at all the possibilities, as Al and I were just doing, the Packers could end up anywhere from the number one seed to the number six seed. Uh, you want to talk to us a little bit, Al, about some of the possibilities we're looking at? Yeah, yeah. So basically what we were just looking at was two scenarios with the Packers' next games, right? So if if they go one and one, basically let's say they lose to the Vikings and then beat Detroit, then they're going to be somewhere between the number two and the number three seed. You know, So they could still get a bye depending on things that the Saints and 49ers and Seahawks do, right? Or they will host a wild card game. If the Packers win their next two games, then they pretty much will between, be between the number one and the number two seed, which means they will get a bye the first week, and they will face a team the following week at Lambeau. Uh, both of those scenarios sound very nice if we can get a game at Lambeau, which is really all that I care about. So I want to go. I think that uh, basically if you look at it and you look at all the different scenarios, if the Packers go 0-2, 
we're probably looking at the sixth seed. And I yeah. suppose there might be a little bit of a disappointment given everything that we've gone through to go to 11 and three. See, yeah. I didn't even want to talk about that. You had to bring it up. Well, I, but it is I left it out. I left it out purposely. I know, and I'm filling in the holes because our viewers wish to be an informed uh, Packer ba- fan base. So now, <clears throat> if we go two and zero oh, uh, with a couple of you know misguidedness, of course, between maybe the Saints, 49ers, we could slip into that uh, first seed. But the likelihood seems to be, even if we go two and zero, oh, it's going to be that number two seed. And even if we go one and one, it's going to be between that two and three. Um, that, that, that's really pretty good for a team that we look back on this preseason with the brand new head coach that apparently his quarterback was never going to accept uh, <laughs> and to sit there and say we're looking at the two or three seed very likely and yeah maybe a strong possibility of the one you know, strong possibility of the six if things go uh, very much in or against our favor but two or three seed Al. Damn good. Very good. Damn. Kelly, Kelly your thoughts? Um, yeah, I would have to agree. I don't think we're going to get to the number one seed. Uh, the path is just too convoluted and the other teams are just too stacked. Um, I honestly think we go one and one, which is a much better prospect than ending up with the sixth seed because it would just cheese me to no end that the NFC East and their mediocre, um, records would end up being ahead of us. But I, I worry about the Vikings game. I think we can beat the Lions. And I think there's a fire under the Packers' butt, knowing that they could be, be on the road with the sixth seed again if they totally screw up. So I'm going to say, yeah, number two or number three is what I'm predicting. Not everyone is really happy with this 11-3 and three record. Wow. <laughs> now, now, wow. Now, now, let's be honest. Let's be honest. The Chicago Bears, Not happy. we could have put them away. They hung around. They did the funny little trick lateral play at the end of the game. He came probably one lateral away from possibly tying the game, going to overtime. How sucky would that have been? <laughs> I don't know. It, it would have been, you know, the, that the Bears that been are a fail yeah. moment in Packers history. It would have. And it would have been right? a great story, I guess, in yeah. the annals of Packer Bear history. But Great? It would have made me crabby. <sighs> Big wins, big losses is what makes a rivalry awesome. So, but regardless, we won. We clinched a playoff spot. Negativity and not being good enough. People seem to get more and more brazen every week about how unhappy they are as we keep winning. <laughs> Kelly, what is your thoughts on this? Oh my God, I just want to shake half of the Twitterverse. Do people remember how crappy we were last year? We were awful. We were t- just bottom of the barrel embarrassing. And now we're complaining that we have 11 wins and it's not good enough. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little crazy, right? I mean, it's one thing to, to say that, well, you know, they should have done better. Or, you know, they could have beaten the Bears easier or more easily. And, and certainly that's true. But... Hey, you you beat the Bears. You you swept the season series between them. You have a chance to win the division. I mean, come on, just back back off a little bit, everybody, and enjoy. Um, I had a post that I would I wouldn't say it went viral this week, but I, I did do a, a tweet that got a bit of a reaction in which I stated, you know, I don't wish anything bad on the Packers, bad on the team, bad on the community, bad on the fan base in general. But I do think that there are fans who would really benefit from going through 25 years of losing football, as we did in the 70s and 80s, just so they could have some perspective. 
and what I got was a lot of people who I think agreed with me and said, gosh, you know, we don't want that. We appreciate what we have. We, we should be appreciative for you know, Aaron Rodgers and, and this team and Matt LaFleur. But I did hear from some of these negative folks and, and drew them out to find out, okay, what are you really complaining about? The overriding theme appeared to be, we are upset that we had a Hall of Fame quarterback in Brett Favre and he only got one Super Bowl. And then we had a Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers and he only has one Super Bowl. And we should have more Super Bowls with these two quarterbacks and therefore we're upset that we're not winning now that seemed to be the big overriding connection that we haven't won enough super bowls okay that's just absurd um drew Brees has one super bowl i'm a little mad that eli manning has two. Oh my god john elway only had one super bowl dan marino has had zero super bowls yeah i think the fact that everyone kind of holds that standard to tom brady he's kind of the exception to the rule um that everyone thinks that a great quarterback is going to have, you know, four or five Super Bowls under their under their belt. That's just simply not the case if you look over time. Yeah, well, I think you can blame Brady. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's really spoiled uh, things for everybody else, you know. I mean, he's such an outlier, but now these fans who maybe don't quite understand everything about the game and how difficult it is thinks, well, why can't we win five Super Bowls, you know, as if just having the quarterback is all that it takes, right? So you can definitely blame Brady. It's, and it's fun to blame Brady for anything. So I think that's a good thing to do. But yeah, CD hit on something about how entitled our fan base is. You know, CD, you grew up in the Green Bay area as a kid, too. Do you remember the 70s and they couldn't fill stands for the preseason sure. games? You could buy tickets at a grocery store for like five bucks. I remember picking up tickets to the Bishop's Charity Game in high school for that. And I remember a time that these preseason games, before they were mandatory purchases by season ticket holders, they wouldn't sell out. I remember laying in my friend's backyard on our backs, looking up at the at, at the sky and you could hear Lambo in the distance, but you couldn't watch it on television because nobody wanted to go. They were blacked yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, I picked up a season ticket in 1983 and went to every game, you know, for 10 bucks a game. It, it, it is what it is, and I love going to the games, and you tried to appreciate what you had, but you were always working really, really hard to appreciate an 8-8 eight eight season or individual performers that were just really exciting, you know, with Tim Lewis... Uh, you know, maybe it was your exciting or Johnny Anderson. And in the end, they just can never put the team. And we have a team right now that is winning really, really ugly. But, but guess they're what? still winning. They're winning. <laughs> like I said, there, there's a point where we would have so appreciated that back in the 80s. And we did. I mean, it was very similar to, I mean, we can have a losing record and people are upset, but we have a winning record. People are upset. And I do think it's a very small but very vocal subsection of the fan base i remember you're you're gauging the fan base by what's on twitter which usually is a hell site for anything <laughs> you're gonna see the most vocal negative people come out because social media makes it incredibly easy to do so right hey um you mentioned 
1983 Packers, right? I did. You said you went to you you went to see all of those games. Um, well, all the ones that were yeah, the ones that were in the Green Bay package in those days. So oh, okay. Games, right? Did you happen to go to the that game against the Redskins, the Monday Night Classic? No. Oh man, the 48, yeah. 47. Watching it on TV. Yeah. No. All right. I remember. I remember. I was actually in the car with my mother, and we were driving near the stadium. I actually didn't see most of the game. And I remember driving by the stadium, and it was just rocking. And I was like, Mom, gotta get home. Gotta get home. But uh, we did watch fun, the rest of the game. What a fun team that was to watch, though, right? It was. Lynn Dickey at the quarterback. He had uh, James Lofton, right? John Jefferson. Paul Kaufman. Paul Kaufman. Philip Epps. You know, talk about uh, Air Coriel. You know, that was whoever. Well, I guess Star was the coach then, right? That was Air was. Star. Yeah. Right? But, 83 yeah. was Star, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned Tim Lewis a little while ago. One of the first memories of really paying attention to the Packers was Tim Lewis's neck injury. Yes. Just going to point out that I'm very old and stuff, but Al is older. <laughs> well, hope that makes you feel good. It does. Okay. <laughs> Transitioning on here, uh, we touched on a little bit in our cheese awards, but obviously Geronimo Allison and MBS have been evergreen perennial winners in our Limburger cheese segment. And <laughs> We may have reached the point this week, uh, I believe Matt LaFleur talked about it in one of his pressers, that there are a couple other receivers that are starting to earn their way into, as he likes to say, more reps. And we would like to hear that being translated not just as more reps, but also as um, more targets, more targets, becoming the starters. Uh, What's your thought? I know we touched on that a little bit in, in... the cheese, the cheese segments, Al, mm-hmm. is the MBS experiment over? No, it's definitely not. It's definitely not over. Um, he was a project to begin with, right? And he's still very young, and he's got the physical ability that you don't just cast aside. You give him a few years to try to figure it out. Okay, so that and I think LaFour said the same thing the other day. He said he's a young guy. He practices hard. He's working hard. So LaFleur has confidence in him that he'll figure it out. And and I kind of do as well. Um, As far as the other guys, I mean, Lazard has, has pretty much been earning a lot of snaps the last four or five weeks. I think this last section, let me look at it real here. Against the Bears, he actually played 46 snaps, and he actually played more than Allison, which I think was the first time. Allison only played 32 snaps. Now, Kumaro is the big one, right? Because he's still, he's been doing eight snaps, 14 snaps. I guess against the Bears, he was 11 snaps. And he's the guy that, it was actually Aaron Nagler that, that asked the question of LaFleur. And, uh, and LaFleur was forthcoming enough to say that, yeah, you, we can all expect to see more of Kumaro. Um, I'm curious why it took, you know, him making one play for them to realize that maybe he should be given more opportunities. Uh, we've been kind of calling for this all season to give him a chance. But um, better late than never, I guess. So we'll see what happens this week. Yeah, I think you hit on, on a lot of the, the things that I agree with, Al. Um, just to quickly 
hit on MVS and Geronimo. I'm really disappointed in MVS's complete downturn. You know, he was our little baby wide receiver last year with a lot of promise. And he may still develop. It may just be that sophomore slump. But Geronimo, I'm absolutely done with. He is alligator hands every single week. There's a big play. And I'm like, Rodgers is like, okay, Rodgers is going to trust him finally. And he drops the ball again. How many times do we have to have an almost near miss, not quite on the mark, uh, dropped ball before we say enough is enough? Yeah. It's the Christmas season, and I'm going to quote the song, You're a Mean mean One, Mr. Grinch. The three words that describe you are as follows, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. But I'm not too mad. Uh, I think I would be very surprised if Geronimo is back next year. MBS will definitely be in camp along with Lazard and Kumaro. Lazard is hands down our number two wide receiver right now. He's reliable. He is threading the needle when he needs to. He's right on his targets. I think he's only going to get better. And what I really like about Kumaro, while he doesn't get a whole lot of balls lofted his way, when he does, he is a draft horse that is impossible to bring down. Mm-hmm. And I, it kind of reminds me of Cobb that way, you know, the, the, the yards after the catch. And I think that's really refreshing because it isn't just catch it and go out. He's going to try to get five, seven, ten yards more. And I think that's we need that strength in the receiving court, which seemed to be lacking for so long. So I'm really happy that LaFleur is, saying, is, is publicly saying he's going to get more, more um, snaps during the game. He, he did also go out of his way to compliment Allison about his physicality and how good he is blocking in the run game. But, but did he did also catch to save his life. Did, he did acknowledge that he's had an issue with drops as well. So, you know, I, I think uh, there, you're going to see more Kumaro and less Allison for sure. I think the part that confuses me the most is this is very McCarthy. You mean the, where, the, the abject loyalty until you completely yeah, screw up? I mean, I mean, obviously, yes, there have been fans who've been screaming for touchdown Jesus for the last I don't know how long. And, you know, that just seems to be the same people who are all excited about Jeff Janis and they've just kind of switched allegiances. So so whatever. But the the, the evidence has been kind of overwhelming. And I think you touched on it, Al. I mean, this has been weeks that Lazard has been proving himself, and he's not getting the snaps. Allison is, you know, getting the, uh, over 50% of the snaps until this past week. You know, we can go back and talk about Jimmy Graham. Why do we keep? Why do we keep forcing the ball there? Because we don't have anything playing? better as tight end right now. That's why. No, because we're paying him 12 million dollars. That's why. Or whatever we're paying him. Hey, didn't you like that he uh, chose to run in cinder block shoes during the game this week? Bold choice, Cotton. Uh, speaking of players that are emerging, not unlike Mr. Lazard and Mr. Kumaro, uh, another player who has been the target of the ire of many of those hateful Packer Twitterati out there, Rashawn Gary. He's a bust. Uh, he, he's a bust. He's, a, he's not, he's not he's going to be anything. He's a rookie. Everyone back off. He still has to develop. When did people suddenly get in their heads that some of these first-round draft choices are out-of-the-box ready to be all pro and it's just ridiculous because i'm not surprised by his performance this year this is a learning year where he's transitioning from college ball to the pros and i think the defense is vastly different in between the two i'm happy he's starting to show up at the end of the season because that really tells me that there's promise for next season but it's part of that natural trajectory of rookie defenders yeah and, and add to that that this guy is really just a tremendous athletic specimen learning to play 
the game of football, right? He's learning techniques that he wasn't taught in college, you know? No. And he's gotten away with just being superior, the superior athlete to this point, but that doesn't work so much in the NFL. You know, you've got to have it all in the NFL because everybody on that field was the best on their team, right? So he's going to need another year, you know, but he's starting to show little flashes. He did something. A lot of people were, I think Ben Fennell did a, did a video review of, of all his snaps and uh, pointing out that you saw things that you hadn't seen yet from him. You saw, use of better use of hands you saw a different type of move instead of just trying to bull rush the the offensive tackle so you can you can be sure that the coaches are working with him every day teaching him these little nuances of playing that position and eventually that you know that will bear fruit but just require a little patience he is not a bust if we're talking about him like this at the end of the th- of his third season, then you can use maybe that word for for a number twelve draft pick. But first season, come on, people. But he's a player that's rising. The fact that yeah. you know, he was he was absent the first half of the season, I kind of expected him to be. But now you're starting to see him make big plays, and that's showing progress and growth. And I think that's it's just the natural progression of transitioning from college to pro. Yeah. No I doubt. Think one thing that I had mentioned earlier this season is that what you had seen Rashawn Gary doing is he was eating up some, you know, some blockers, and he was helping set the table for the Smith brothers. Uh, you don't get a lot of stats doing that. That's kind of almost the old, old Gilbert Brown role. You know, you that occasional sack, but what you were doing in the middle is eating up people so other people can make plays. This past week. As you mentioned, Kelly, the Smith brothers were somewhat absent, but who picks up the slack? Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark. You know, at that point, if they're focusing so much on the Smith brothers, it gives opportunities for other players. And now Rashawn Gary doesn't have to be setting the table for that. He was getting his opportunities, seven tackles and a sack fantastic day for him. And I think that's a good problem to have. You know, we were pretty, uh, thin the past couple of years with defenders either they were hurt or there was only one or two that were impact players you know we all were gnashing our teeth when mike daniels was like well, it's like oh my god what's going to happen because he was it now we have four defenders that are just absolutely lethal and it's hard to game plan against all four obviously the bears picked the smith brothers but that left opportunities like you said for kenny clark and rashawn gary to really rise to the occasion all right well before we head into our tweets we have a an interesting uh events, I guess, something for us to be proud of as Packer fans. The Pro Football Hall of Fame has what they're calling a centennial slate of finalists for the 2020 class going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, It's a large group. There are 20 players, 10 contributors, and 8 coaches, and they're just going to pare them down to 10 players, 3 contributors, and 2 coaches and all of those players are going to make the Hall of Fame this year. And the Packers have a pretty good contingent. Number one on the list is guess who? I'll take Mike Holmgren. Yeah, I'll take um, coaches with large mustaches for 600, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mike Holmgren is, right. uh, I, I would say he's got a pretty good chance. I, I don't know who the other. Uh, well, I can um, tell you that because that's, oh. that's what I was Googling before when you caught me. I was, preparing, I was preparing for this question. Well, tell us. Topic. Anyway, so you know, I, I think it's going to have a tough time, actually. So the eight finalists, Don Coriel, hmm. Bill, Bill Cower, oh, Tom yeah. Flores, Jimmy Johnson, 
Buddy Parker from the 40s and 50s. Don't even know that name. Dan Reeves and Dick Vermeil. For me, the one definite there is Dick Vermeil. Really? Yes. Hmm. That's the one definite. He's been credited with, with changing the course of the of the NFL with some of the things he came up with. So I think from from that standpoint, I th- and he won a Super Bowl as well, right? Yes. Yeah. So Don Coriel is personal favorite. I really love those old Chargers teams, you know. So you would be hard to argue with Bill Cowher, yes. multiple Super Bowls, right? Um, Tom Flores had a nice run with Oakland. Jimmy Johnson and the Cowboys. Those that's tough competition there for old Mike. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson, you can't. It's hard to hard to uh, go toe to toe with him. And the same with Bill Cowher and Dick Vermeil. But what makes Holmgren stand out, and while I think it's going to be tough, what makes him stand out is he developed and grew several teams, not just one. He doesn't have that many Super Bowl wins, but look at how he he rose teams up. He did it with the Packers, and he did it while he was in Seattle. And he set the stage, not necessarily for his own Super Bowl wins, but for the subsequent coaches. Okay, so maybe you're right. Maybe he doesn't have a chance. But we do have some other Packers, <laughs> uh, ancient uh, senior members of the Packers who have yes. a chance. And these are from the very olden times. Uh, Vern Llewellyn, Laverne Dillig, Cecil Isabel, might be probably the most familiar name to Packers fans, and Bobby Dillon. And how many of these 20 will make it, did you say? Uh, we'll go down to 10. 10? Okay. I think of those four, probably Cecil Isabel, though I do have a soft spot for Labby Dillwig just because I know his grandson. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about growing up in Green Bay. You, I can name three families that I went to school with that were had Hall of Fame grandpas. Is that any re- relation to the, the quarterback? Yes, it is. Uh, yes, it is. Oh, okay. Was that uh, the quarterback was his son? Uh, grandson. Anthony. Grandson. Yeah, because he was cousins. He was cousins with the guy I went to school with. I see. Okay, so some names on there if you want to hear them. Sure. Cliff Branch. Never heard of him. <laughs> Harold Carmichael. Uh, Roger Craig. Okay. Oh. Um, I'm just going to mention the ones I've heard of because they're they're ones from like the <laughs> 1930s. Ox Emerson from the Portsmouth Spartans. That's just an awesome name, though. Ox right? Emerson. Ox Emerson. <laughs> Randy Gratishar, which I think is a, a good one. I, th- I think that's got a good shot. Cliff Harris for the Cowboys. Oh, Winston, definitely Cliff Harris. Winston Hill, New York Jets. He was like one of the best tackles in the league for a long time. Alex Karras, he's got to make it. Um, Tommy Nobis, Atlanta Falcons. Drew Pearson, Donnie Shell. Oh, Drew Pearson. Yeah. So I, I, can, I can name about five or six that I think are sure things. So that leaves that leaves a decent chance for one of the Packer old guys to get in. Yeah, I would agree. Isabel probably has the best chance. I think he'd probably make that ten. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. Now I'll give you a little bit of trivia. How many Green Bay Packers have worn the number two? Not many. You're correct. That was a good one catch. is Jersey Al's favorite player ever. <laughs> Still waiting for that jersey. That's. Mason Crosby jersey somebody was supposed to buy me. But no one else has ever worn number two. I was going to say that. Maybe he's the only one. And one of the reasons is, is that there actually, for quite a period of time, there were two unofficial retired numbers for the Packers. One, of course, as we know, is number one. And one is unofficially retired for who? Number one. Curly Lambeau. Lambeau. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
But number two was also unofficially retired for many, many years uh, until Mason Crosby took it. But that was allegedly uh, retired for Vern Llewellyn. Really? Yes. So that is why neither one nor two uh, had appeared in any, and one still has not appeared in any regular season games uh, because of Curly Lambeau, which there is every now and then a, a call to retire the one officially for him. But number two was quasi-retired for Vern Malone. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's get on to this week's Tweets of the Week. This week's gems from the Packers Twitterverse. All right, we are going to go through our Packers Tweets of the Week. We're going to scour the Packers Twitterverse for what we think are the best tweets about or made by Packers fans throughout the Twitterverse. Uh, We're going to read them aloud, and then we are going to vote. We can't vote for ourselves, and the winner will be this week's Tweet of the Week. Jersey Al, we're going to start with you. What is your Tweet of the Week? All right, well, mine kind of falls into our discussion about Packer fans and not ever being satisfied. This was from... Uh, actually, a very, very cool account that I've been following and comes up with a lot of good ones. Packers FTW, which is at Packers for the win, WN, I guess too many letters to spell out win. So he kind of tweeted a fictional, <clears throat> excuse me, conversation between Packers fans on Twitter and the Green Bay Packers. So we started off with Packer fans yelling, Fire Capers, Green Bay Packers say, okay. Packers fans, now fire Ted, Green Bay Packers say, sure. And fire McCarthy, say Packer fans. The Green Bay Packers say, done. Anything else? Packer fans are now calling, sign a bunch of free agents. Packers say, sure thing. And move up in the draft. Packers say, okie dokie. Packer fans say, and win. Green Bay Packers say, we're 11-3. and three. Packer fans now say, win by more. <laughs> It's the God's honest truth, though. Yeah, right? right? Right up my alley. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that was so good, I thought. Anyway, All not right. to influence the voters, but I, I think that was really, <laughs> really good. CD, you're next. Mine is going to go to our friend and friend here on Packers Talk, uh, Dave Erickson, Pack Therapy Dave, uh, co-host, longtime co-host of Packers Therapy. Uh, pretty easy, right, during the game. Oh, the Packers saw something there. Yeah, they saw ha-ha in coverage in the fifth row of the seats. Ha-ha. All right, I want to round this out, and I double-checked with the rules of the International House of Packers talk, and there's no rule against a tweet embedded in a tweet. So I'm going with the dual threat from the Green Bay Press-Gazette. First, P.G. Doug Schneider of Scanner Squawk fame tweeted, He's passed out on a table near the railing. Hashtag Scanner Squawk. Hashtag Shy versus Green Bay. So that was the, the embedded tweet. The response in the same tweet was at Brian at by Ryan Wood, their beat writer. Scanner Squawk is located Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> you kind of butchered that delivery, but it's a funny <laughs> tweet. <laughs> if I can be honest. Okay, yeah. honestly, the, the problem. Just, unfortunately, it's radio. If we could just look at the tweet, yeah, like, exactly. Ryan, Ryan, it was hysterical like when I read it. Okay? Yeah, it was really good. It's really good when you see it. Not as much when Kelly reads it, but it's okay. It is. It is hard to explain the tweet within the tweet. I think we're going to have to create a new rule at the next meeting. <laughs> at, at, the, at the next uh, rules and meeting, we're going to have to put that 
that in. Can we decide what a catch is, too? Art- Article 3, <laughs> paragraph <Fucking> 2. <laughs> the speaker recognizes the podcaster from New Jersey. <laughs> no tweets within tweets. There you go. All, All right. in favor? <laughs> Motion <ahead>. carries. <clears throat> Yeah. All right, Jersey Al, you are yes. up. What is your vote? Well, any tweet that makes fun of Ha Ha has got to be a winner for me. So you got that one. I may I may have chosen that particular tweet. I had like two or three I were looking at, but I said, you know, I could probably entice Jersey Al to vote for me with you that. You are one. such a brown oh, noser. Sure. sure. <laughs> oh Al, here's a tweet I really thought you would like. Kelly. It's kind of like it's kind of it's kind of like ringing a bell in each rules, you know. Anyway. <clears throat> Not the same tweet. Haha is always mock worthy. Well, there's really no reason for me to vote then, is there? Oh man. How okay, could my tweet not way. win this one? <laughs> this is unfair. Too, it was too damn long. <laughs> this is unfair, but it was perfect. It, it I guess was, but funny if you, you also it. may have slightly butchered that out. Well, it's hard. I mean, yes. it is hard to yeah. to right. relate an entire conversation yeah. like that. But hold on, we're suddenly voting on the delivery of the tweet. We're going uh, for style points, really? Uh, <laughs> Point of order. All right, you're gonna need another bylaw here. <laughs> <laughs> awesome tweets by Al must win. <laughs> That's not. We're not put, voting. Put for that. that in the rules. <laughs> all right. Anyway. All right. Well, Packer Therapy Dave, you're the winner of this week's tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. All right, we're going to finish up with the playbook right now. First of all, boy, one of the most exciting players, number 32 for the Packers, has really put a a kick into the Packers' return game. Swervin Irvin. Swervin Irvin. Jersey Al. Yes. I've got a question about this. That's why I threw it in there. Okay. Last week... Our show had Swervin Irvin in the nickname, and that was the first time I had heard it. So my question for you is, yes, and I want an honest answer. Did you come up with that yourself, or did you hear that somewhere else? Oh, that's a good question. I think he came up with it. I didn't ask you, Kelly. No I offense. I don't care. I'm answering. <laughs> <laughs> I know I can't stop you, but I can't ignore you. So. so so, do you want me to be grandiose or do you want me to be honest? No, honest. Absolutely honest. Okay. Well, the grandiose answer would be a lot better. Um, so give me both. <laughs> okay. Grandiose. Yes, of course I did, Al. I'm a bloody genius. The honest answer is I think it's just a very natural thing to do with that last name and I thought of it right away and, and tweeted it right away when, when I saw it. Um, but I think that a lot of people also probably co-came up with it simultaneously. So I think it was also swirling out there on Twitter by, with a lot of other people. But I, I had thought of it first. I can't say that I put a copyright on it and, and we're in uh, yeah, That's not a good answer. That's not a good answer. You said, you said honest or grandiose. I can go back to grandiose. Yeah, but I don't know, that, I don't know if you're being honest. Well, well, I, I you think, think someone else did it? No, I think you did it. Oh, okay. Well, then that's grandiose. because that was the first time i saw it and i tweeted it out giving you credit um like the next day or or whatever or maybe during the game i probably during the game and now this week on twitter suddenly i'm seeing swerving irving everywhere and i didn't see that last week 
Well, I'll take credit for it. Uh, well, I'm, I'm hoping the royalties come in soon. I'm willing to give you credit. Christmas is next week. It would be I good was to have a little extra money. <laughs> and he does accept unmarked 20s in a brown paper bag. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm willing to give you credit. I was hoping for some more concrete confirmation personally, oh. but no, I'm pretty that's sure just down. not to be. I suppose if we were to go into the my Twitter archive and we could find out when I first mentioned it, that would well, be the, the name of the show was the first time I saw it. When we oh, got yeah, to... but I had done it on Twitter before that. Oh, oh, well, see, that that even leads more into your grandiose answer. Yes. Yeah, I, I saw it on Twitter long before he potted and used it. All right, you have a project now. <laughs> yes, I'm going to go prove search, that I'm actually... Search Twitter, search Twitter for Swervin Irvin <laughs> and find out the first time it, it was mentioned on Twitter. <laughs> Now hiring unpaid intern to do all of the research work for Packerstock.com. Please inquire within. We don't pay anything, but hey, someone else can do the scut work for us. <laughs> I, I got a feeling he was probably called Swervin Irvin for a long time before we came up with it. I wouldn't surprise me if he was called that all through college or Poss- high school. Or- possibly, possibly. Yeah. He's fast. But I need this answer. There were some plays. I mean, I was looking at it. I was like, he was just turning on these afterburners and making great cuts. And I'm like, no, he literally is swerving Irvin. I mean, he, he can uh, take a cut and take it down the throat of a, a coverage team just like nothing. So it begs the question, why was he available then? Oh, who had cut him? Was it the Falcons that had cut him? Or was it uh, Chiefs or Texans? He, he, he played with a couple of different teams. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it Jacksonville? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yes, that's it. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. He was with the Texans for a while, though. He had actually had a few good seasons with them, I think, when he was drafted in 2016. Um, But, yeah, I mean, maybe it's no different than some of the other guys that we've cut. Maybe it's just you become a fall guy because you don't have good protection. You don't have good blockers. And then what's the easiest thing to do? Get rid of them. You replace and see if you got a, a returner that's somehow going to do better with bad blocking. <laughs> We're not the only team that does that. You know, I just did a quick search on Swerving Irvin. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, of this course wasn't, you did. This wasn't an advanced search. It was just a quick one. But guess whose tweet came up first? Whose? One of our one of our hosts here on Packers Talk, December fifteenth, was the first one that came up, and then December fifteenth, there's a bunch of other swerving Irvins. So now, who said it first on December fifteenth <laughs> is the next problem. <laughs> but I, actually, Twitter has like advanced advanced search capability. All right, I'll I'll get on this. I won't do it now during the show, but I'll get on this. This this is an answer we we must have. Okay, I must, I must have. <laughs> Let's it's move driving you nuts till you know it, right? Absolutely, right. Okay. And see, I even tweeted it, and I said, Swervin Irvin stealing from Tundra Vision continues to impress. Also on December 15th. Well. So anyway. If there's royalties coming my way, I'm thrilled. So let's talk a little bit about this game. Uh, Packers get to play you know, one more primetime game this season. It's a Monday night football game. It's against our hated division rivals, the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings are at 10 wins. We're at 11. The Vikings win this game. They're in a virtual tie for us for the lead. And then it really comes down to, obviously, what we do in that last week. If the Packers win, we win the tiebreaker, even if the Vikings win. But there's still that chance the Vikings could win, and somehow we lose to the Lions. I know it's not likely, 
we sure would like to get this one, but the, well, is, this, is this a big game? Is this as big of a game as we've had to play this season? <clears throat> I think it is, and I think that's how the Packers are taking it. It's, I think it's a bigger game for the Vikings, right? Because if they lose, are they officially out of playoff contention? Or certainly division they'll be out of, but possibly even playoff contention. So I think it's bigger for the Vikings, but I think there's no doubt that the Packers, you know, they haven't won in the in the new, you know, bird killing stadium over there in Minneapolis with the stupid horn. Right. <laughs> and God, you know the that horn. they're just chomping at the bit, especially the guys who have been around for four or five years, you know, or more uh, to to fix that problem. So they would love nothing more than to win this game, wrap up the division and off we go. There are very few um, scenarios where I think realistically the Vikings are going to get anywhere near the number one or number two or number three seed. Uh, it looks like the most possible, if the, if the Vikings were to beat the Packers, they're looking at possibly the three seed, which means, of course, they that's if they were to win the division. Right. <clears throat> if we assume that the Packers are going to go one and one, they are regulated to one of the wild card spots, and that would be the number five or the number six. So that's the best they can do if they if they win. Yes. If they lose to the Packers, is it over for them? That I don't know. We have yeah. to put that into our little calculator. But I obviously okay. you got you to think they're motivated. You got to think that they're coming to this and saying this. There's probably not a team they hate more than the Packers. There's probably not a team we, we really hate more. Hate more. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Barr is still fresh in my mind. Try living on the west side of the state where half the people in my town wear purple. Oh my god, they're insufferable this week. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the injuries. And of course, the, the, the what's making the most news this week is Dalvin Cook, their star running back, uh, did not practice today uh, and is unlikely to play Monday night. Is that going to be big enough to give the Packers enough of an advantage on the road to maybe pull this game out? I wouldn't rely on it because if you're banking that your victory is all hinged on an injury, that's a guaranteed way that you're playing not to lose and not as opposed to trying to win. Yeah, it, it is going to help, though. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> not going to turn yeah. it down. I don't think I said that it was going to be the only thing that was going to make the Packers win. I just said, is this something that's an advantage for the Packers? Is this enough to really give us a, a leg up in this in, in this matchup? Well, those bigger- are two, two different things. Yes, it's an advantage. Is it enough to give us a leg up? I don't know that it's that big, but it is going to help. Mm-hmm. And we should all be unapologetic if he if he doesn't play. None of yeah. us should feel bad that they no. didn't play against the best, you know. None of us the should big, care. The big question is, do we get good Kirk Cousins or do we get mediocre Kirk Cousins? And can we get in his head just like we did the first time we played them this season? Yeah, I really want to see the Smith brothers go hard and 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 furious at him because I think that's a bigger factor than any injury that the Vikings have. All right, yeah, but without let's say without Cook and their backup is also not practicing Madison. this week, Madison, right? Without those two guys, assume that they don't have a running game. Now it's a whole different ball game for Kirk Cousins, right? Yeah. I mean, he's been at his best when they're running the ball and he's and he's running play action. Now suddenly you take away play action and you got a good shot at getting bad Kirk Cousins. So I think that's where it'll it'll affect the game most if neither one of those two guys can play. 
And I really, 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 really don't do not want Stefan Diggs to finally have a good game, like a spectacular game, because that would be the death knell. Um, he's been contained a lot of the season because I, I, I the only reason I know is because I had him on fantasy and he scored me like almost no points several times. <laughs> but you took a Viking on your fantasy team. We had sixteen who, people in the league. Who, so are, like, uh, who are you? It was like, hmm, turd sandwich or bag of dog poop, you know? I have have proudly drawn the line. I have never, on any fantasy team, drafted a bear, a Viking, or a lion to this day. I usually do Vikings or Dallas, but then again, I'm finishing in the bottom third of my league. Doesn't matter. Pride (laughs) is more important. Okay, Boomer. Okay, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I think that it is time for our Hot Pockets. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our Hot Pockets. This is our time where we give each of our hosts their own little podium to stand on and really vent out what's on their mind. We're going to start out this week with Jersey Albraco. Yesterday was a historic day in the annals of the United States. Something monumental happened in this country that few could have predicted. Many would have said you were crazy for thinking it could ever come to pass. A good man got himself entangled in a situation that would tarnish his image, his legacy, and stay with him for the rest of his time on this planet. Yes, my fellow Americans, Matt LaFleur agreed to be interviewed by Cheesehead TV. On yesterday's edition of Packer Transplants, Coach LaFleur subjected himself to Corey Benke's fanboy screeching and Aaron Nagler's pleading for more Danny Vitale. It was truly glorious, but the Packers, the Packers blogosphere and Coach LaFleur will never be the same. And that is my... Hot Packets! Much is still being made about how the Packers can't seem to fully put teams away, even though they've gone 3-0 the last three weeks and are guaranteed a playoff berth with two games to go. But the Packers are not winning with a dominant defense or with an MVP level from Rodgers or even a consistent running game. The play calling has been suspect at times, and only in the last two weeks has our special teams returns shown up to play. No aspect of this team is dominating, except what I've been saying all season long. They finished the game with more points on the scoreboard than the other team. And that's okay. We won a Super Bowl once, despite maybe being one of the weaker teams to win a Super Bowl in 2010. We sat on the edge of our seats every week watching a, a lead row to have Tremont or Raji or someone make a huge turnover in the fourth quarter and seal the game when the other team came back, as we see happening a lot to us this year. So yeah, I kind of like the Packers may have that same vibe, and hey, I loved it in 2010, I love it now. But the problem with the 2019 Packers isn't really our receivers catching or the linebackers not being good in coverage or whatever else. The problem is resiliency. If the Packers get out to a good lead, as they almost always do, they have to fend off the other team for the rest of the game, but they somehow manage to finish the game with more points, even if, like on Sunday, they were one lateral away from possibly going to overtime, where they run into trouble, as they have three times a season, when the other team takes the early advantage, and the Packers fold like a deck of cards. As long as they have the lead, they know how to maintain it. They just haven't figured out a rally from behind. This is what a team with a lot of new faces and a new coach and core players with not that much playoff experience will get you. This means that next Monday night's game against the Vikings is our last really big test. It's a quality opponent, primetime lights, highly motivated to win. So here's my odd request. I would like the Vikings to jump out to an early lead on Monday night football. 
And I would like to see the Packers figure out a way to get their crap together and mount a comeback. Because every playoff game is against a motivated, talented team under primetime lights. I hope the Packers get a good scare on Monday. And they learn how to battle back and put a boot to the throat of a quality opponent. Otherwise, 2019 is just a learning year. Resiliency is job number one. And that is my... Two games to go, kids. That's right. Two more and the season's done. I have ranted about the Packers' mediocrity this year. and I've also waxed poetic about optimism just about every other week. But last week, the Packers squeaked out a victory against the Bears, and that was football at its best. It didn't have to be pretty. It just didn't have to suck. I don't care if victories are resounding butt kickings. I don't care if it's 60 minutes of sloppy ball. All I care about is when the whistle blows, we have more points than the other team. That's it. There are no style points in football. I don't care about slogans like relax or all gas and no break. I honestly don't care about whiny fans either. The Vikings, the Lions. The NFC North is on the line. It's going to come down to the wire, and all I want are two more wins. Is that too much to ask for? And that is my... Hot Pockets! Sheetshead Radio. Backers Game Predictions. Monday Night Football. This This game could change the balance of power in the NFC North, putting the Packers in a virtual tie with the Vikes for the division lead and requiring a win against the Lions the next week just to get a chance at that first round bye. Big game, on the road, very hostile crowd. How do you see this one going? Kelly, we'll start with you. First of all, I picked against the Packers last week and I was wrong. CD made me say that. Are you happy now? A little bit, yeah. Anyhow, suckers, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go against the pack. And this is why. It's hard to win in Minnesota, even if their trophy case is as barren as the high deserts of Mongolia. I laugh at their training facility every time I drive up to the airport in Minneapolis. That said, it's still a hard game to beat. They're better than they they, they appear to be, and it's not going to be pretty. Not feeling it this week. I just want one game out of two, but this isn't the one. Vikings 23, Packers 20. You know, I could pick against the pack today. There's a lot going against them. Have you picked against the pack? Of course not. The inconsistent play, the Vikings getting hot, Vikings' backs are against the wall, they need this game for a chance to stay in the hunt. The Vikes are at home, and they're looking to avenge the loss at Lambeau early in the year. Heck, the Packers can really be unmotivated if they want. They know all they have to do is beat the Lions, and they got the whole division. And they could beat the Lions with the practice squad. So what do the Packers really have going for them in this game? Not much at all, except an upset victory and the NFC North title. I'm saying Packers 28, Vikings 27. Okay, well, I was very worried about the Bears game. It just felt like a game where the Packers would shoot themselves in the foot a lot. And they did. But luckily, they still managed to do enough to barely hold on for the win. That type of performance will not get it done against the Vikings. So until I see them put together a complete four quarters of good football against a good team, I sadly have to be Mr. Pessimist and pick the Vikings to win 24-16. to 16. Doubting Thomases. So we are consistent. Yeah, but this is good. This is exactly what we did last week. And we were and right. The, and the Packers won. Wrong. Right. So we're keeping the same M.O., and uh, hopefully it'll work. Oh, and by the way, before we sign off, I have some bad news for you, CD. What's that? You did not come up with Swerve and Irvin. Who did? 
Well, the first one I found was a tweet from the official Green Bay Packers account on really? December, December 8th. <laughs> so Wes Hodkowitz came up with it? I don't know. Uh, it's it's I can't figure out. It's it's like a quote. It's saying, quote, Swervin Irvin, that's my guy, Swervin Irvin, in quotes. But it doesn't tell me who actually said that. That might but actually be Rodgers then. They did tweet it on December 8th, so oh well. I wanted it to be you, but I guess we're not that lucky. So I get no money. You get nothing. Nada. Zilch. Zero. Great. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on Cheesehead Radio in our 10th season. Make sure to head over to PackersTalk.com where you can explore several unique Packers podcasts. Please follow at PackersTalkNet on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Cheesehead Radio and all Packers Talk podcasts are available on iTunes or your favorite podcatching app. Find us on Siri, Alexa, or Google just by saying, play Packers Talk podcast and watch the content start to flow. Finally, be sure to check out our sponsor, Ticket King. You can find them on the web at theticketking.com. TheTicketKing.com That's a wrap. Go Pack Go. We're on to the Vikings. Good night, everybody. Cheesehead Radio. 